Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I'm grateful for this opportunity. I thank God and I thank the many volunteers who make this possible. I was a Latter-day Saint for over 60 years. I still have a love for the people, and that's why we do this show, to share with them that there can be life after Mormonism. I'd like to start with a short prayer and ask Heavenly Father to help us. Dear Father in Heaven, we ask you to be with us as we share stories tonight that we might know of your will, say the things that would soften hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm happy tonight to introduce Carrie Anderson. Carrie, nice to have you with us tonight. Nice to be here. All right. We, uh, we know you've been LDS. You were LDS. That's the reason you're on the show. Tell us a little bit about your time as a Latter-day Saint. I was born and raised LDS in a, in a small community up in southern Alberta, Canada, which is very much like Utah. Yeah. And uh, I did all the typical things that a child growing up in the LDS church would do, the Sunday school and the primary and the... <laughs> And uh, all the things that happened there. Um, Is there a lot of Mormons up there? There was in, there was quite area? a few in that little that little community, and the communities next to us was a little LDS region settled by some people sent by Brigham Young, I believe. Is that where the temple is? Yes, it was Close near that. There? Near there. Yeah. So you grew up active. Were you a scout? And I grew up active, and yes, I was a scout, a and deacon, then, uh, deacon, teacher, priest. I uh, attended seminary for the entire time I went to high school. Oh, there was uh, some rebellious times, but <laughs> a little uh, rebellious streak there, and I never quite got over that. Okay. <laughs> do you have a? Did you have a testimony? Do you think of Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon? I did. I truly believed that he was a prophet, and that the Book of Mormon was the word of God, and and I remember being told that I was so lucky that I had lived bef before I came to earth that I was more valiant and that I came to earth as a Mormon white person. So you were pretty special. So I was real special. <laughs> Save for the last days. As it were, <laughs> I huh? guess that's what that means. And so uh, kind of a pride thing I guess we, we uh, I've, I've been through that same thing myself from President McKay on so told me that I was a special chosen generation and coming forward in these last days and and so it was always something that gave me a lot of pride or a lot of uh, feeling like I was probably a pretty special special person yeah I did feel <laughs> lucky about that now, did you stay up there? Or did you live up there? Uh, I lived up there until uh, I was in my late 20s. I oh. lived up there in Canada. So you, you went on a mission. I did. I went on a mission. So you went from Alberta or the yes. that area on your mission. Where'd you go? I went to uh, Northern California. Oh, how was that? It's beautiful country yeah. from uh, San Francisco north all the way up to the Oregon border. Yeah. That entire 
coast served in that uh, area loved huh? it up there and as a, how was your mission experience it was um, it was oh how do I explain this it was a, a, a good time it was an adventure as far as numbers it wasn't successful there was I did two baptisms while I was there so that's not a lot of notches on my <laughs> stick yeah but um, but it was it was a time where where I had the opportunity to interact with people that were not like me that were not raised like me and that was uh, one of the things that started the change in me I remember that I was gonna convert me an evangelical Christian hmm. I was going to tell him what I knew about the Book of Mormon and what I knew about the Bible. And he quietly sat there and let me say my thing. Yeah. And then he turned to me and he says, now I got some things to say to you. And he opened up the scriptures and he, he talked about grace. And he backed it up with, with what he read to me out of the Bible. Things that I'd never heard before. I was going to ask, had you ever considered no. that before? We don't do that in the no. church, do we? No, we don't. We'll, uh, we'll take one scripture out and, and, and build an entire concept around the one scripture and take it out of context and not understand exactly what the author intended at that moment, at that passage. And so, yeah, these were things that I'd never heard before. And he not only did he interrupt me when I was praying by saying, yes, Father, yes, Father, bless us with, our, bless us with your spirit. It's like, dude, shut up, I'm praying. But, uh, but then he challenged me, he says, have you actually read the Bible? I said, well, I've, I've read Some the of parts that I'm supposed, <laughs> supposed to. to. He says, why don't you read that New Testament and see what it means? Wow. What a challenge. Yeah, and so I did. I Actually, I started at Genesis, and if there was anything I was going to miss, it wasn't going to be from reading from the beginning. So I started at Genesis and worked way, my way through and just mashed through it. And Then I got to the New Testament parts where it talked about grace, where it talked about saved by faith, th through faith by grace. And I remember thinking, oh, that's why those born-againers talk that way. <laughs> but that's as thick as it got. It never, it never penetrated the bones of my head. But at least I understood why they say what they say and why they believe what they believe. But see, I was lucky because I had more. Oh, as a, as a Latter-day Saint. more as a Latter-day Saint. And we had more scripture we had the word of god from the prophet and so that's as far as that went in but so it planted a seed maybe I but it didn't believe uh, that a seed was planted yeah so you came home from your mission came home from my mission yes and uh um didn't take very long and i was married and had a baby then had another baby <laughs> and that's, you know, I, I, I did pretty much what was expected of me, but uh, there was a, a rebellious streak in high school. And, and it persisted, and, Well, I, like. <laughs> I haven't got quite over that. But, but yeah, 
I remember sitting in church wondering when somebody was going to talk about Jesus. I think that seed got planted somewhere. I th yeah. think so. So after your mission during this early year, your 20s and so on, you're going to LDS church. Going to LDS church. I, I did have a calling. I can't remember what it was in the elders quorum, but I didn't take it very seriously. And um, But you weren't hearing what you thought you should be about Jesus. Yeah, it wasn't the stuff that I'd read in the Bible that, that apparently so many people think pretty, is pretty important. So, um, yeah, I'd sit there and, and wonder when people are going to talk about Jesus. When's somebody going to stand up and say, you know, I am so grateful that Jesus saved me from my sin. Because I had an understanding that it was more than him just showing us the way. He actually paid for our sins. Like some debt that we had accumulated, he paid. And I kept waiting and waiting, and I'd never hear about it. And I'd hear about priesthood principles and scripture and prophets. And, and Jesus was just not there. <laughs> Were there any other doctrines that kind of bothered you through, through the years there that, during this time? Well, there was things that I was aware of. I was aware that... Uh, at some point in time, Brigham Young may have mentioned that Adam was God the Father, but that's definitely not the case. I knew that Brigham Young had several different wives. Did and you know Joseph had? There was a point in time where I learned that, and I remember while I was on my mission actually teaching somebody, no, Joseph Smith did not have multiple wives. It was just Emma. Uh -huh. And... Uh, I was fairly embarrassed when the truth of that... Found out that he actually had yes, wives. Yes, he did. Young ones. And, and so concealed on. it from his beloved Emma. Yeah. But, yeah, I was aware of many of the, many of the problems with, with the temple ceremony and with, you know, masonry. And I was aware of these things. Yeah. But it added to the, the fascination of it because... In the absence of evidence, faith is stronger, and that is a, a big deal. If, if things don't seem right and you believe anyways, that is strength. Kind of covers over the facts, and right, uh, the right. faith the, takes care of that. The lack the of faith, yeah. or not the lack of faith, the lack of evidence yeah. is, is perceived as strength. Did you ever share your concerns with anybody, either in the family or outside the family? Oh, no. No. no kept that them to was, yourself? And yeah, I kept that to myself, but things just didn't feel right, didn't sound right. The songs were... I remember being thoroughly creeped out by one particular hymn, and it was praise to the man. Who communed with Jehovah. Um, yeah, that one creeped me out even when I was a Mormon. Because after having actually read the Bible, it was praise to Jehovah to Jehovah praise to the most high God holy 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 is the Lord God almighty but not Joseph yeah that just it, it was creepy to me and I kept that to myself yeah so now you go along a few years here in your life you're still active in the church I guess are you still attending regularly still and mostly active but but uh I had the inability to magnify my callings. 
I had the inability to to sanctify myself. I had the inability to live righteously. I did not have the ability to live up to these expectations. I am not good enough. I cannot do enough. There's so much to do and so much that's asked of me. What is the point? And so I began to just sit in the back row and kind of fall away and not throw myself into it like I had done. And that was a, that was a big disappointment to family members and, 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 and people that believed I should be doing more and that it expected more of me. But I couldn't do it. You kind of mentioned the pride and all that. You see other families, did it look like they were able to keep the commandments and do what they were supposed to? Did that ever bother you? But was that a, well, I'm not able to keep up with them or? Yeah, there was a lot of that as a kid. It's like, what's the neighbors going to think? Yeah. If they hear us fussing and carrying on and hollering at each other. Yeah. What are the neighbors going to think? And what would people think if they knew how we really are? And as a child, that was something that I heard about a lot as a kid. They'd say to me, look, don't make your mother angry. <laughs> and don't do this and don't do that because our eternal salvation rests on your behavior. Wow. And, and my father was in a bishopric, and he, says, and he told us one time, he says, you know, with, with all this noise and fussing going on as, as, as a family, what would the people in the ward think? Do you think the, knowing what we know now, those other families probably also had their problems? You just didn't realize. That I surely hope time. not, but <laughs> but I'm going to assume that there was problems. Yeah. But so what continued drawing you away from the church? It sounds like you were kind of going into a, a little less active situation. What what kept drawing you out uh, from the church? Well, I had been married for for some time, and we moved to Utah. I had another child. By this time I had two kids. And not long after the birth of my second child, my ex-wife up and leaves. Mm. My wife at the time, of course. Yeah. And she wanted the divorce and I couldn't do enough and be enough and hold enough priesthood or 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 live righteously enough, and I guess she had had a belly full of me. <laughs> was it about the church, or were there I guess, it was, other issues? It but. was. It was more about about me. I I did have issues, and um, and I was abusive on occasion, and dominating and manipulating and and those kind of things they do they do cause problems in a marriage and when we misbehave as adults there's consequences and so we ended up divorcing and this was a temple marriage and i remember thinking about the the, the temple covenants and and how this is supposed to be for time and all eternity where is the miraculous presence of God in our marriage. I know I don't deserve it, but I prayed out to God to save my marriage. Save us. Mm. And we divorced. And that opened my eyes as to how two people enter into a, into a contract that's supposed to last forever. 
and be without end, and one person can just say, nah, not anymore. Be done. And be done. Yeah. And that kind of jerked the rug out of me. I ended up sleeping in my pickup truck and being homeless for a while. And uh, there comes a point where you realize what it means to be poor in spirit. And I think that was necessary to knock me off of the bucket that I was standing on and to, and to humble me somewhat. Kind of make you rethink uh, where you're at and where you're headed. And yeah, yeah. And, and what was the significance of the temple marriage? Yeah. So... Well, we make those covenants with God and, and, and the effort, I guess, we put into it. But um, you're right. It's, it's kind of a, again, and it's through the temple. It's through the church. Yeah. So, again, it's your relationship with this church between you and that stands between you and this marriage for time and all eternity and so on. So, after your time in the truck as a homeless person, what happened after that? Well, I just kept going to work and got an apartment and got on my own and and I'd sit and watch TV on a box and feel sorry for myself and every once in a while I'd go back to church and it was still the same thing where is Jesus not only that most of the time when I would go to church I had two small kids with me mm. and there was nowhere for a man to change a little boy's diaper that was kind of uncomfortable and kind of awkward, but I didn't feel like I belonged there. I didn't feel like I fit the mold of somebody with children should be there without a wife. It was confusing to people because I just didn't fit in that, that nice little, little family, that little cookie yeah. cutter container that 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 people exist in, and I didn't feel welcome there. And I still can't do enough. I still can't live righteously enough and pay enough what's the point yeah. but I want my kids to grow up knowing something about God but I couldn't keep up the act I couldn't keep up the fakeness yeah. and I talked to the bishop about it and he says well just keep going and things will change for you just keep doing and do and and, and do and, and a little bit more of the do and yeah. And it didn't work. So eventually you became totally inactive or you found some uh, Christian church to go to? What, uh, what happened there? What was that transition point? Totally inactive. Totally inactive, but always had it in my mind that I'm some kind of a Mormon. One of those Jack Mormons. One of those some kind of Mormons. And uh, just kept on going, living my life about me. Yeah. And uh, eventually, I met this wonderful woman that not long after I met her, I married her. And we started playing house. We bought a house. We <laughs> combined my stuff, her stuff, my kids, her kids. And uh, we started bumping heads and having issues. And we was not doing very good, but we were was married. Was she LDS? She was, she, I think she was baptized. She yeah. was baptized, but never, never was an active Mormon. I think it yeah. was one of those baptisms where you'd get baptized just to... Mom and dad wanted yeah, you to or something. Or, or grandma, I think yeah. it was what it was. 
And she had been invited to go to a church by, by a, a friend, and so she started going. And um, I watched her go. She had health issues. She had muscle pain issues, and her health was getting worse. And I watched her go from, from her, her health was getting worse and worse and worse. Then one day she said to me, I heard a voice and he told me to uh, quit taking these pills. And I'm thinking, well, maybe we better find some other kind of medication because uh, watch <laughs> out. And I watched her health increase and get better and better. And it was absolutely amazing. I would go to church with her on occasion. It was to this little Jesus freak church on the end of a one-way street not far from our house. And, and I'd go, and, and I didn't feel like that maybe it was a, a real church because it didn't have the nice brickwork and the big stained glass windows and the manicured lawn. Yeah. But I kept going. And while I was going to church... I'd hear this pastor say things that I hadn't heard before. Back to but I'd heard them before. About grace and about grace and about faith and about God's love for us and how Jesus died on the cross. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm getting a little bit of Jesus here. This is good. <laughs> this is good. But I kept hearing these things that I was vaguely familiar with, but totally unfamiliar with. And I opened up the Bible with the intent of proven this man wrong. The pastor? The pastor. And the more I read, the more I dug into it, the more I learned about these things that I hadn't heard before, that I'd heard. <laughs> and I began to get hungry for the Word, and I started to see a continuity between the different books and then I'd start to see a continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament a common thread like there's a one author but many writers and I started to see the law fulfilled in the New Testament and I started to find grace in the Old Testament and I couldn't put it down and I read it from one end to the other and then I started again and there's more and then there's more and I became a Jesus freak by reading the Bible, trying to prove the pastor wrong. I discovered that the Bible is translated correctly. It's historically accurate. And in there is the information by which we come to know who Jesus really is. Don't you think that's one of the greatest disservices that Joseph Smith ever did was to put doubt in our mind that the Bible was trustworthy? Yes, that is a disservice. And I, I struggle with that when I'm talking to other people. And they'll say, well, you know the Bible can't be trusted or I'm 99.9% .9 sure that its, its meaning has changed from what the original apostles Yeah had intended as no that is definitely not the case the entire new testament can be recreated by quotations from the early christian church it stands on its own it's verifiable there's archaeological evidence it's yeah, true the dead sea scrolls support the old testament and the entire book of isaiah appears there there is no change other than 
spelling and punctuation, and you can expect that for the time frame. I mean, our words have changed. Look at the spelling sure. of iPod, for example. <laughs> And what that is? Why do you think the Mormons? Uh, well, uh, we kn we know why the Mormons have such a trouble with uh, with the Bible and and not reading it, and their eyes are not open when they do read it. It's kind of like when you were on your mission; you were hearing those words about grace and and Jesus and being saved by grace and falling short and all that, but didn't quite mean anything, I guess, until you really challenged this pastor and got back into it. And and there there was a moment where where I had just been to a, a viewing. It wasn't the actual funeral. It was, a, it was a viewing of a friend of mine that had died unexpectedly. And here I come face to face with a man that had taught me seminary. And this is while I was still just right new into reading the Bible and discovering these things again. And he, he kept talking about about this man's widow and how strong she is and she's just a pillar of strength and how strong is she and I was just absolutely appalled and horrified inside that that this woman is depending on her own strength and her own might when when I'm barely hanging on here and I gotta drop to my knees and depend on the on the very creator of the universe for every breath that I breathe and people are admiring her for her strength, which it, I can't explain it, but it was appalling. It was it was really horrific to me. And I, on my way home, I was struggling. I was praying in my truck. When I got home, I went down to the very lowest place in my house, and got as low as I could, and I said, God, I get it. I can't do it. I can't do enough. I can't be good enough. God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And that's where the real change occurred. Yeah, I'm a wretched man. The worst that you could say about me is true. And if there's anything good in me, it's because... God put it there, not because of anything that I've done, not because of any good work that I've accomplished, because everything I've touched has turned to foul, and everything I've done has crumbled, or will. And in a hundred years, nobody's going to look at the stuff that I've made and, and, and even recognize what it is. And it's all about God. It's all about Jesus and turning to Him and depending on Him, His good works. There's such a freedom in that, isn't there? Absolutely, there's a freedom in that. So what would you tell the LDS as, you, as we wrap up our evening tonight? I would tell the LDS people to open your Bibles, to read the Bibles with, with, with new eyes, to understand what the Bible is actually trying to say to us, what the author intends. Don't try to twist it into something that it's not saying. Otherwise, the Bible just doesn't make any sense. Read it with new eyes and understand what the, what the message is in there and turn to God. Beg Him for repentance. Beg Him for forgiveness. And He will forgive you. Carrie, what a wonderful testimony and a great story. You just uh, touched hearts, I'm sure. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks. 
Well, I just want you all to know that, uh, as I've mentioned before, I think you're choosing between the gospel of Joseph Smith. Think about what he's added and the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're following a man, if, if he's standing between you and God, that's a problem. Good night. This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an Ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon. Thank you.